Open our hearts, open our ears to hear your word this morning. Speak to each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Give each other a hug. Say hi to somebody you haven't met yet. take your seats. Good morning. Go ahead and take your seat. Come on in. If you're in the foyer, come on inside. If you are in junior high, junior high meets next door. And if you are new this morning, good morning. My name is Amy. I'm here to welcome you. I am part of the staff here at Sierra Bible Church. And uh, again, if you are new in the building or if you're visiting, We do have children's church next door, as well as a nursery. We have junior high, and of course, if you want all your little ones sitting with you, good for you. (sighs) All right, if you are new also, we have a gift for you. Um, And if you're visiting, or if you've visited in the last few weeks, and you haven't received your gift, we have the Book of Mark, um, a scripture journal for you, as well as a voucher to drink coffee, do stuff, uh, which is a coffee shop downtown. So if you haven't picked that up, you can pick that up this morning, either on your way out or even right now if you feel the need um, to get your gift. We have those available to you. Uh, So if you're unaware, summer is still active in here. It is coming close to an end, um, as I know a lot of you are preparing for school. And we have so many fall activities. I'm not going to mention any of them right now. Uh, We are going to roll those out for you over the next couple of weeks. Uh, But we have a couple of summer things before it ends this week. The women's um, group is having their last hike for the summer. It's at 9.30 a.m. on Thursday. And if you missed the first two, this is your last chance, all right? This is for all females in the building and children. All right, so summer hike this Thursday. There's a sign-up sheet at the info booth, and you want to talk to Carol Anderson if you're interested in going or if you want more information. Something else this week as well, our youth group, which meets Wednesday nights, if you're unaware, junior high and senior high, uh, we are meeting this Wednesday, but we are not meeting here. They are meeting out at West End Beach at Donner Lake, and they'll have a little barbecue as well as some baptisms. So if your um, student didn't get baptized last weekend or they just decided to get baptized, there is another opportunity for them to do so. And that's going to be this Wednesday. So you're going to want to talk to Caleb about that if you want to participate in that. Um, And speaking of baptisms, last Sunday we were at the lake. I'm sorry if you missed it because it only happens once a year. So, you know, I can't do anything about that. But we we had some amazing baptisms. It was a great time. I honestly was trying to keep track of things, but we had a a huge sign-up list. And then there were people that day that just, you know, appeared and wanted to get baptized. And so I'm thinking we had around 33 baptisms uh, last Sunday. Uh, Yep. Yep. Very exciting. And if you did not pick up your certificate for your baptism so that you have proof in order to get into heaven, I'm just kidding. Um, Those are at the info booth as well. And if I misspelled your name, then I redid it. And those are also available to you. So you can pick up your certificate also on the way out. All right, so let's talk about what's happening now, which is uh, the book of Mark. We're continuing through the book of Mark. So here's Pastor Jesse. You're not supposed to be funnier than me. (laughs) If you don't have your Bible, would you please raise your hand? One of the ushers will hand it to you. If you do, and as you get the Bible, just keep it up. If you don't own one, you can take this one with you. Turn to Mark chapter 7. Uh, we are in a gospel, the gospel of Mark. As Amy mentioned, my name is Jesse. I'm part of the team here. Uh, blessed to be a part of this team. Blessed to be a part of this church. Uh, a few things coming down the pipe, as Amy mentioned. Uh, we, don't, we do have dates for all of them. Uh, would encourage you, please, if you haven't downloaded the app, please do so. Get, to the, get the newsletter. If you haven't signed up for that, please sign up for this stuff because 
there are a lot of things happening and the church is thriving and growing and that's a great thing, but it's harder, it's getting harder and harder to communicate all the stuff that's happening. And then all these ministry leads, and if you're a ministry lead, we appreciate you, but you all think that your ministry is more important than everybody else's, which is great. So you think that your announcements should be made before everybody else's and all that. Love you and what you're doing is important, but everything we do is important. So we're trying to do the best we can to communicate uh, that. So quit complaining if we don't announce your stuff. And then... Um, Financial peace, all that's coming up. Uh, uh, we're going to be doing a new to SBC uh, class. So if you've been, uh, are new to the church in the last two years, we want to invite you to that. We're going to do a fundamentals of the faith class following that. So for those of you who are growing in your faith, you want to know more about your faith. And we're actually going to do all of that on Sundays, which is kind of cool. So uh, we're not going to be asking you to spend more time than you already are. Uh, I want to let you know something else that's really neat. Uh, if you know, uh, or if you've been here rather for the last several years, you know that we've been praying and we've been trying to do everything that we can to reach our Hispanic population for the gospel as much as possible. And Jim Mathias has tried to learn Spanish, and, and he's done everything that he can. But if you look at Jim, there's nothing about him that looks Hispanic at all. Just, just his heart, I think, is Hispanic, um, which I don't know if that's even possible. But uh, he loves those folks. And uh, I got contacted. Pretty interesting thing. I'll let you in on a secret. <clears throat> Sunday's Sundays do take a lot uh, out of the team here. And on Sundays, what I'll do in between services, I actually disappear in the back for about 10 or 15 minutes to just try to get my mind right and reset myself. And a few Sundays back, a couple months ago, uh, a whole group, of, while I was back there by myself trying to recharge, a whole group of Hispanic folks came in to the church in between services. And the gentleman's name was Hugo, and he doesn't speak English, but he let me know that he planted a church over by the lake. His dad was a pastor, or is a pastor rather, in Guatemala. He has a heart for the Hispanic people of the Lake Tahoe area. And he has outgrown his place at the lake. They need another place. And he said, the Lord basically told him, he said he went on a walk on a mountain. The Lord told him, go into Truckee, knock on all the church doors. The one door that is open to you will be the one that helps you. And he knocked on multiple doors on that Sunday looking for a church to be open. Ours happened to be open. He came across the guy, me, sitting there and shared with me, this is our thing. We met with them, met, you know, made sure everything was in line. And tonight is their first night for their church gathering next door in Ray Hall. <clears throat> um, so be praying for them. That's, that's really incredible overnight. You know, we're going to have 25 to 30 folks over there next door. And uh, this guy loves the Lord, and he was, just was in tears uh, that, that, that God spoke to him and answered his prayer. You know, even as pastors, we get shocked when the Lord does that the way that we think we want him to. Uh, so that's pretty neat. Now, obviously, uh, most of you are well aware there, even though it's sunny outside, there's a kind of a cloud that is hanging over our community. We're missing one of our own, Kylie Rodney. She's 16-year-old, missing from a party in Prosser. I want you to know a few things that are going on in the last, it's been over a week now that she's been missing. Uh, and I want to share this with you uh, because I, I, well, one, I want you to pray. Uh, and two, I want you to realize the impact that you have as a body of believers in Truckee, California. Uh, so one of the things we did initially on Wednesday night, we did a prayer night. Our youth pastor, Caleb, coordinated a prayer night for uh, anybody who wanted to come. Normally, we would do youth group. We kind of put that off to the side and said, hey, if you want to come and pray, we put that out there. Uh, and a bunch of people came for that. A bunch of kids were here. It, it was a good time. Uh, Bobby Johansson, who works with gals who've been trafficked, was able to share with some of our girls tips on how to be safe. Uh, the uh, Fitiments, who are both chaplains and Christians, were here. They were able to share. They were in official uniform. There was some sharing from uh, the pastors. There was, some, uh, there was other churches involved in this. Town Church was part of it. Calvary Chapel Truckee was part of it. So we were able to bring more people of faith together to pray for the return of Kylie. Uh, on the heels of that, we were able to start a meal train for the family. Some of you have already delivered meals to the family. Thank you for that. I believe on our newsletter and all of that is signups for that if you want to sign up to give food to the family while they're wrestling. And then to my surprise, uh, Daniel, Kylie's father, reached out to me and wanted to get together. I sat with uh, Daniel yesterday for a while. We prayed together, uh, and we talked to, with one another, and he obviously wants the return of his daughter. My very first words to him as we sat down was, I'm sorry that I, I can't bring her home. Uh, and he said, I recognize that, and, and I just want prayer. 
And what I did not know, uh, both to my shame, but also to my blessing, is that Daniel calls Sierra Bible Church his home. And uh, his daughter has been to youth group a few times. Daniel actually lives in Tahoma. He uh, can't come every Sunday because it's about an hour and a half drive for him. But here's what his words were to me. He said to me, he has not been able to find a church body like ours and that he's been to a lot of other churches. His words, a lot of them seem like they're asleep, but he said this about you. Your joy is real. Your faith is real and your love is real. And he said, this place has been a lifesaver for me. Uh, He actually shared with me at Easter, he was here for the service and he was weeping and he said someone he did not know, he's never met before, just reached out during the song time, put their hands on his shoulder and just kind of held him. And he said, man, I don't, I've, I've just never experienced anything like it. And he said, my faith in God is real. And then he shared this. Um, he said, I know God's trying to teach me something and I'm okay with it. I don't know what it is, but I know that God's real and I know he's, I know he's here. That's what's getting me through this. And he also said, I know that God wants to use this to reach more people. I don't know how all this works out, but I'm okay with it. And so you've got a man who is a father who is working out his own faith and he's praying obviously for the safe return of his daughter. I just want you to know your witness, your love and your compassion for Jesus are known in this community. Don't stop. Keep praying. And as we enter into the text this morning, we wanna pray the Lord will minister to us. And we wanna pray that God would use us and guide us to give him glory. Uh, And we obviously wanna pray for this young girl to come home. So if you would, could we pray together? And uh, we'll dive into scripture. And I just, again, as one of your shepherds, want to say thank you so much for being the real deal and for sharing your faith. Man, I couldn't ask to be a pastor of a better church. So thank you guys. Let's pray. Lord, we... um, We come before you humbled that we really don't have any control at all in any situation and moments like these remind us that we're in desperate need of a savior not just for our physical bodies but for our spiritual ones this has been a hard week for many especially those in leadership those pouring countless hours over terrain searching looking praying There's been an enormous amount of resources and energy poured out to find this young girl. And we know, Lord, that you know exactly where she is. And we know that you love her deeper than anyone else could ever imagine. And we ask for her return home. And we ask for you to comfort her mom and to comfort her dad and her her whole family, the school, the teachers, all that know her, all that are involved. Would you minister to them and guide them, Lord, to your throne room? Lord, would you do something new and fresh in us to change this world to be more like you want it to be? But even in then, we know that our hope is not in transforming this world, but saving people from it into the kingdom of heaven. We trust you for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, the title of the message this morning from Mark seven twenty four is a peek into reaching the world. Uh, the reason that this is such a pivotal moment, actually, in the Gospels Uh, Obviously, we know the history. We've been wrestling through this. We've been seeing that this book moves very rapidly. It's somewhat of a caffeinated pace, if you will. Uh, Mark is just bent on trying to get this message out as quickly and as rapidly as possible that people will know that Jesus is the Son of God who's died for our sins to reconcile him back to himself. In the previous passage, a couple weeks ago, before the picnic, we We actually saw Jesus have, for the first time since chapter 3 of Mark, an encounter with the Pharisees, the leaders of the day, the church leaders of the day. They clash. Why is it that your disciples eat food? They're not washing their hands. They're not ceremonially clean. Therefore, uh, they're not right before God. They're dead in their sins. Why is it that you're not practicing righteousness the way we see fit? 
They had added all kinds of rules to the actual law of God. It was the Levites who were to wash, not everyone. And yet the Pharisees created this uh, document called the Mishnah. Initially, it was a verbal document. It was, it was verbally shared. Later became written down. All of these additional rules of cleansing uh, were forced upon the, the followers of, of Yahweh. Uh, to this point, Jesus actually lets those disciples know, and he lets the Pharisees know that, that man's issue is not on the outside, man's issue is on the inside. That in order to really change the world, the first thing that has to be done is your heart has to be changed. You need a heart transplant of sorts, a spiritual renewal, a spiritual revival. Upon this, Jesus leaves the area. This is where we pick up on the text this morning. Jesus leaves the place of the Pharisees. Matthew chapter 15 actually tells us that it was a withdraw, 1521 that Jesus was moving away. It's a marked point of Jesus saying, I am now moving away from the Jewish audience, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, and I'm now going to move into Gentile territory. This is exactly what we will see of Jesus in this particular passage. The text is really specific. A removal from the traditional religious audience that refuses to accept Jesus as the Messiah. So what Jesus now does is he begins his journey starting in 724 and will last all the way into chapter 8 and 9, chapter 9, verse 50, actually, what will consist of a 120-mile journey. Jesus will travel by foot, no plane, no train, no e-bike, just feet, Okay. And he will travel 120 miles into this Gentile territory. What we will see in the text is that he actually goes into the place of Tyre and Sidon. It's a place called Phoenicia, or what is now known as Lebanon, all in that area. And if you look at it, they're coastal cities. Uh, and and you, you might get a little confused as I kind of communicate Tyre, Sidon, and, and Phoenicia, and, and Lebanon, because they're all kind of one place, but they're not, Right? It's like when somebody says to you, if you're out of the area and they say, where are you from? When I was a kid, at least, we oftentimes would say, I'm from Tahoe because nobody knew where Truckee was, right? It's kind of saying, where are you from? I'm from the Tahoe region. I'm from the Tyre area. It's the same kind of deal. Well, what part of Lebanon? What part of the Phoenician area? Oh, I'm from Tyre. Oh, I'm from Kings Beach. Oh, I'm from, it's kind of like that. And so I want you to understand in this big area where Jesus travels for 120 miles, this is non-Jewish enemy territory. That's what Jesus is doing. And we're going to see that what Christ is doing at this point is expanding the kingdom of God beyond his Jewish audience. This is a peek into how God reaches the entire world. That's what we're getting a look at. And here we are. We want to do that. And if you can this morning, would you honor the word with me? If you're able to, would you stand as we read from Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Mark chapter 7, verse 24. From there, he arose and he went away to the region, right? Tahoe area of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and he did not want anyone to know. He's still looking for rest. Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately... There's the word again immediately, fast pace. A woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first. For it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Lord, you are the God of miracles. We trust you for that this morning. We put our faith in you. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Um, here's my first point this morning in regards to a peek into reaching the world is, is that there's this big idea about Jesus, about God, that is important for us to understand. And that is this reality that, that God is a sending God. Uh, the Latin would be the missio dei. That is language that God has a mission. And if God has a mission, 
so do we. Now, I want to be clear so we don't confuse anything. The primary mission of Jesus Christ, the primary mission of the church, first and foremost, is to give glory to God. I mean, that is what the Westminster Confession says. What is the chief end of man? But to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's the chief end of man. If you are a parent and you want to grow your child to be someone that, that is, is somewhat balanced, teach them that the best thing that they have going for them is to give God glory in everything that they do. Teach them that they're to point in everything they do to the Lord. But the mission of God to glorify God is to reach sinners. That is ultimately the mission that Jesus is on. To glorify God to reach sinners. We see in chapter 7, he goes to Tyre and Sidon. Later in this passage, we'll see him in Decapolis. Then later on the shore of Galilee, then Dalmanutha, then to the other side of the lake, then to Bethesda, and then to Caesarea and Capernaum. 120 miles Jesus is taking. He's the ultimate missionary. He knows how to travel. And for sure, he is taking this time with his disciples and uninterrupted time to, to teach them, disciple them, to intensify his teachings. It serves a purpose to equip them to reach the world. But all of these locations, as Jesus is withdrawing, is into the darkest places, especially to the Jews. We know that as a missionary, that Jesus has traveled the greatest distance. We know that he has the greatest sacrifice, giving his only son on behalf of his people for sinners. No planes, no trains, no cars, but in his three years of earthly ministry, he makes an enormous amount of time set aside to reach foreign soil. Why? To give us a glimpse of what we call the Great Commission. Do you know what the Great Commission is? Matthew 28. That's the mission. The glorifying mission of God to go into the world to reach the world. To teach them all that he has taught. And my friends, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 35 baptisms? Come on, y'all. That's amazing. Just so you're aware, I'm not sure if we've ever done that many baptisms in a year, let alone one day. People are coming to Christ. People are being baptized. We're going to be discipling you a little bit further in the next coming months. And all of this is because God has sent his son. And by the way, he sent us. The church has a mission. He's ascending God. God sends his son. His son sends his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit sends the church. He's ascending God. Why does he send the church? Well, to do what John says in chapter 1, verse 1 of 1 John, that which we saw from the beginning, that we heard, we've seen with our eyes, we looked upon, we touched concerning the word of life, that the life was made manifest, we've seen it, we testify it, we proclaim the eternal life that was with the Father and was made manifest to us, where? Within whom? Jesus. Why? So that we may have fellowship with him and with one another. And then he says in 1 John, I write this to you so that your joy may be complete. Right? Jesus is on a mission to reach the entire world and to reach them so that they may know, may know joy. That's why the Westminster Confession of Faith is so great in this regard. The chief end of man, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Do you know God cares about your joy? God cares about your inner peace. And what he's telling us when this language is written out, when the Westminster Confession takes all this biblical language and puts it together, your joy ultimately will be in giving God glory. Now, what do we see about this missionary God and who gives us this peek into reaching the world? Here's number one, he can't be concealed. You can't hide Jesus. You can't. Uh, look, look at the language of uh, verse, was it verse 24? And from there, he arose and he went away. Why? He wants rest. This is like the third or fourth time we've seen this in seven chapters. Jesus has been looking for isolation. Why? Because you people are exhausting, even to the Lord. <laughs> he, needs some, he needs a break. So he tries to get a break, <laughs> and they keep knocking on his door. He went into somebody's house, and immediately, as he is hiding, Mark's letting us know there's no rest for Christ. He's on a mission. 
He has left the Jewish territory where the rumors of who he is quite possibly have not reached that far north. The travel to the north to Tyre and Sidon is to get away from the rumors, to get away from the people, to get away from the crowds. I just need a break. And then John lets us know, not happening. As soon as he closes his eyes, as soon as he's about to enter into that deep place of sleep, a woman (laughs) interrupts him. I could say something sexist there, but I will withhold myself. (laughs) This is the only time that we know of in the Gospels that Jesus goes past the borders of Israel within Tyre and Sidon and this place called Phoenicia. This is a woman. She is a Syrophoenician. And what all of this is communicating is that she is not someone who worships Yahweh. She is not familiar with the Old Testament. She is not to be accepted by the Jews. She definitely is not, as a woman, supposed to be talking to a rabbi. She worshipped the fertility, fertility goddess of Astarte, or maybe even the god of war, Ashtaroth, this entire area is inhabited by pagan, false idol-worshiping Gentiles. In addition to that, this particular area has a long history of opposition to Israel. In addition to that, this is the place where Jezebel came from, the one who persuaded King Ahab to worship other gods. That's this place. Right? Does anyone know a Jezebel? I don't mean metaphorically. Anyone actually named Jezebel? No. Why? She wasn't a great person. There's no more Jezebels. There's no more Judases. They just have ceased. No one names their kids those things. Here he is, going to the homeland of the Canaanites, to the homeland of Jezebel. This place, James Edwards says, that Tyre probably represented the most extreme oppression of paganism, both actually and symbolically, that a Jew could expect to encounter. In fact, it was said, it was said to eat with such an idolater was to eat with a dog. It was a, 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 a crass way of saying that you were brutal, you're a scavenger, you're not friendly, you're everything negative we could ever think or imagine. That is what any Gentile was called, a dog. Yet Jesus will not be hidden. And so Jesus shows us that not only does he love the Jewish people, but he loves the Gentile. Let me explain what's happening. This woman's back is against the culture. She's got what we call a cultural plight. She's a woman. She's a Gentile, a descendant of Canaanite. She represents an ancient enemy of, of Jews. She probably was engulfed in idol worship. Many theologians wonder how many false gods did this woman actually approach before going to Jesus that her only daughter would be freed from a demon. That's what this lady's in on. Jesus finally makes his way north and here's one of the things you gotta see in the text. When she heard of him, Jesus can't be concealed. He shall not be concealed. This is evidence that in order for Christ to go into the places of the world, a proclamation must be made. Christ is real. God is real. His salvation is real. People hear of it. They start seeking it out. And one of the things that I, <laughs> I both love about our church and is a frustration of our church is we've got so many great people who love the Lord and your theologians and your Bible people and then rubbing, rubbing shoulders with you as a guy or a gal who just is trying to get off drugs. I mean, think of this for a moment. Jesus is trying to communicate, I'm for all people. This woman has a cultural plight, but she's heard of him. So she comes. We don't see her knocking on the door. Mark doesn't care to give us that detail. It's as if she just walked in. There's no apology for the fact that he's probably on the couch trying to take a nap. She doesn't know what he's been through. She doesn't care. All she knows is her daughter is unclean and oppressed. I really like how Tim Keller says it. There are cowards, there are regular people, there are heroes, 
You follow? There's cowards, there's regular people, there are heroes, and then there's parents. Josh, you're a teacher. How about those parents? You liar. <laughs> I did youth ministry for eight years. Kids were never my problem. <laughs> but listen to what he says. Parents are not really on the spectrum of cowardice. They're really not on the spectrum from cowardice to courage because if your child is in jeopardy, you simply do what it takes to save her. That's the heart of a parent. That's the heart on display. And this woman is bursting with humility. She's bursting with courage. She's bursting with boldness, but she is humble in her response to the Lord. I mean, you may not see it initially, but, but this magnificent picture of the soil, this, this woman is bursting with faith. She's what Jesus would call good soil. That's who this woman is. And the interaction between her and Jesus is, is kind of like really interesting. I mean, imagine here, here she is. I've got my only daughter. She's demon possessed and I'm looking for a miracle. And Jesus gives this weird response. Well, I got to feed the kids first and I'll feed the dogs later. That's essentially what he's saying. And here's what you need to understand. Okay. It sounds so racist. And this shows you how Jesus just obliterates our cultural boxes. We like to put things into. He doesn't care if you're offended or not. Okay, so here's what he's basically saying. He's saying, okay, listen, I am ascending God and mankind needs a savior. And so what God has done is he throughout all of the Old Testament has continually sent messengers, sending, sending, sending on a mission to reach people. He sent kings, he sent judges, he sent prophets, right? Sending, he sends to Abraham, Abraham, through you. What is the promise to Abraham? Through you, through your family, through your heritage, well, what? You will reach the whole world. Every nation. That was the promise to Abraham. The promise to the Jewish people was this, and the Pharisees missed it. This is such a sad deal for religious folk to, to, to come in contact with because the original plan from the beginning was that God would reach the entire world for salvation. That was the original plan. But his plan originally was to do it through Abraham and his people, through the people of, of Israel, and then to the rest of the world. So this woman, she's a Gentile. She comes, she's looking for hope. She's, she's outside of this circle. She's not at the table with the other Jewish individuals in regards to salvation. She's without hope, scripture would say. So she comes and she pleads of him. Jesus answers. Basically what he's saying is this. He's not saying no to her. That's not what this little, it's a parable, by the way. It, it says it later in the text it, or in Matthew 15. It, it's not, what he's not saying is this. What he's not saying is, you're a dog. I'm not going to feed you. This is what he's saying. My plan is to reach the world through the Jews. I'm going to go there and then I'm going to go to you. And the word he uses was not the typical word for dogs, for Gentiles. The actual translation is more like puppy. First the children than the puppies. And puppies in Jesus' day were household, family, and pets that were loved and cared for. They actually become part of the family. How many of you are dog owners? You're lying. This is Trucky. Way more hands than that. <laughs> Everyone's got like three dogs and no leashes and poop all over the legacy trail. <laughs> all over. The best part is when people bag it up and still leave it on the side of the road. That's a special kind of evil. So we kind of have a deal in our house. It, does, it works sometimes. It doesn't work all the time, but it works. We, we adopted a dog a year ago. He's been a wonderful addition to the family. Kids absolutely love him. I absolutely love him. I mean, yesterday I came home after spending time at the concert for the gal and everything. Came home, went into the schoolroom, laid down on the carpet. Now I said, do you want to lay on the couch? And I said, nope, can't lay on the couch. I'm just going to lay here. So I put a pillow underneath my head right there on the floor as my wife was getting ready for the school year. And then here comes the dog. You know, he's about 100 pounds at this point now. Comes up to me. And he never just lays next to you. He has to put his weight on you. He has to body slam you. And so he does so. And he bumps into me right into the ribs. I go, Hoof! and he goes, hey. and then he lays there. And then we're like golden, right? Like we're just, it's like he's family. I put my arm around him like I'm married to him or something. The whole thing's weird. Whole thing is absolutely weird, 
right? But that's how we treat our dogs in our culture. That wasn't the case for older dogs in Jesus' day, but it was more for like the puppies. And this is essentially what Jesus is saying. There's an order to things, right? At my table, when I eat dinner or breakfast or whatever it may be with my kids, the kids always eat first. Inevitably, what happens when the kids eat 80% of what they're eating ends up on the floor, okay? 80%. That's a good number, I think, to start with, 80%. And then they leave, and then the dog does the miracle of all miracles. He makes anything underneath the table disappear. We don't have to vacuum it. Should have got them when the kids were younger. And then the woman says, okay, I get it. This woman's faith She understands who Jesus is in chapter seven and his disciples, just so you know, still don't get who he is. But this woman knows, in fact, Matthew 15 helps fill in the gaps. She comes to Jesus. And it's emotional for me because I can't help but see Kylie's mom in this. And the language in Matthew 15 One of the first things she says to Jesus, have mercy on me. And then she calls him son of David. She knows he's the Messiah. And what she understands to this idea of humanity that we can't, we don't like to put in categories, she understands the reality of human nature. It's not popular today, but she gets it the first thing that she's doing is she's admitting to the Lord, I know exactly who I am and I know exactly what you think of me. You know, Lord, and I know, Lord. She's confessing to Jesus. I am spiritually but a sinner, a dog underneath the table begging for salvation. See, she understands in humanity that she has to express her need for a savior or she shall never be saved. At the same time, she knows that God is so loving and so kind that God himself has the ability to do so if he desires, not only to give her crumbs, but to ultimately put her at the table. She knows that this savior, this Messiah, is in the business in this current moment of taking little dogs, removing them out from underneath the table and putting them at the seat to eat with the rest of the kids. That's what she's saying. That's what she knows. And that's what Jesus is all about. And Jesus says in Matthew 15, something that's quite incredible. In Mark, he says, go that way and you will find your daughter. Just go ahead and leave. But but the reality here is, is when she says, you are my Lord in Matthew 15, he tells her in Matthew 15, great is your faith. Translation, you have mega faith. It's a radical statement within the gospels to make that this particular woman in a region of unbelief, in a region of debauchery, this is the place where Jesus finds true faith. I said it in the first service, I'll repeat it in the second one. Sometimes those who are the newest in regards to their salvation have the better understanding of the gospel than those of us who've been tainted by religious and religion and, and all that stuff that's in the Bibles that we think is, let me clarify before, there's good to do in the Bible. But you are not saved by your doing good, are you? You are saved by that which Jesus does. And she gets that. She understands this reality. This word bread is likened to God's word. And the word bread later is likened to that Jesus is bread. Jesus is the word of life. The Bible is the word of life. John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Amen. Here's what she knows. he's talking about his word, if he's talking about his salvation, is there really any difference at all between the food on the table and the food on the floor? We're talking about God's word. Is there scripture that's more elevated than other scripture? 
or is it all the same? This is what she's saying. I don't even care. I know that you have an order to it and I'm cool with the order. I know that I'm a dog, but I know you can do it right now. And I know that, 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 that you're capable of feeding me and feeding my daughter. I just need a crumb right now. Just give me a little crumb right now, Jesus. Every single one of us should have this kind of wit, this kind of faith and this kind of approach towards Jesus. I know, Lord, that you can do something in my life. You, as I've been, man, this passage has been on me all week to ask God in faith that he would save more people in Truckee, that they would be good soil, that the, the Rodney family and that Kylie would be brought home, that we can entreat upon the Lord, have mercy. Why is mercy important? I don't deserve this. I deserve wrath. I deserve punishment. But God, you desire to bring me to your table. He cannot be hidden. He has to be the head of the table. And you have to see, you have to see that God is in the business of going to places where the sinner exists. I stand before you as a third generation trucky kid. What has happened this week was never on the forefront of my mind as a child. I mean, shoot, I... I don't even know if our car doors ever locked at my house. Not because we were safe, they just were old cars. <laughs> Never locked the door, not even for bears. We just, you know, we lived in the woods. Time is here. COVID has created all kinds of new stuff. The last several years have turned Truckee upside down, have turned the nation upside down. And man, you know, being a third generation kid, I get to hear all of what the locals say, all what they're, you know, talking about and then what you're talking about and, and how I'm feeling. And, and there's a lot of bemoaning. Truckee's now this darker place and all these folks are here and there's issues in some of the new apartments and there's more drug addicts than there's ever been before. There's more homeless people than there's ever been before. We see it in the office. We're helping people every week. Truckee's not the same. Can I, just, can I just, as a church, gear you back to the glory of God? Do not bemoan the fact that God is bringing evil people to your doorstep. Rejoice that God is growing this community, that the kingdom can expand, that we have a church that's teaching the Bible and teaching Jesus and pressing into the dark places. We're not afraid of those apartments. We're not afraid of those drug addicts. We're not fearful of those things because we have our faith. God save Bring people to yourself. And you know what? You're going to come into church and you're going to rub shoulders with people that smell different, they act different, they talk different. Some of them haven't learned to not cuss. Some of them might even smoke a cigarette out in the parking lot. What will we, what will we be known for? We did a whole evangelism training yesterday and one of the best lines of that whole complete day was simply this. You, you know you have a church that doesn't care about, about outsiders and those who are lost, that when outsiders come and take your spot in church, you get upset. Basically what he said is, to the extent that you're pliable and sitting somewhere else is to the extent that you're more open to the gospel. I don't know why Robert's here for service number two, but he went from the back row to the front row, so. <laughs> Double dose, bro. I love you, man. I love your tri-tip too. <laughs> Let's progress. I want you to see that as Jesus can't be hidden, that he's for the Jew, he's for the Gentile, and he's also into the individual. The next segment helps us see that. Because the text tells us something else about Jesus. Not only can he not be hidden, but he's a savior who does all things well. Look at verse 37. Or actually, go to verse 31 for context. I'm sorry. In those days, oh, I was reading chapter 1 of verse 8. Chapter 7, verse 31. Then he returned from the region, so he's still traveling, of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, all down towards south, towards Decapolis, which is ten cities. They brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hands on him. And taking him aside from the crowd, privately he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, he touched his tongue, and he looked up to heaven, and he sighed, and he said to him, Epaphtha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. 
And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying he has done all things well. You should underline that. That's the kind of Savior that we do worship. He even makes the deaf and the mute speak. But he does all things well. The language of well is the same language from Genesis chapter 1. If you remember in the beginning of creation, God made light and he called it good. Come on, church. You can interact with me. They'll hear it online. It's good to see you guys. We've got new cameras, by the way. Not that you care, but we've got some really nice cameras someone donated. I look really good in high def. In Genesis 1, he called the light good. The sea and the land and the expanse, he called good. The veggies and the seed and the fruit, he called good. The stars, the moon, and the sun, he called The life, the birds, and the animals, he called And everything that he made, he called good. This is the language. Everything that God does is good. There's always that question of evil. Well, why does evil happen? Just because you can't find a good reason for evil happening doesn't mean that he doesn't have one. He's bigger than you. He's infinite. You're finite. He has his reasons. What we must put our faith in is this woman is placing all of her faith in Jesus, her mega faith in Jesus. Jesus is a savior who will not be hidden. He will reach all of the world with or without you. I hope you desire to join in him or with him in that mission. And when he does what he does, and when we do what we do, we must always strive to do all things well. Right, John? Excel, but all the more. John and I have been talking about this language. That we would do good, but that we would, we, we would celebrate the good. We'd celebrate the baptisms. We'd celebrate, celebrate salvation, but that we would say we will not rest. We will take the 120 mile journey to reach the world. Like Jesus, we will put on the sandal straps of the gospel and we will take that place to where no one else will go. And we will pray and we will intercede and we will use our funds and we will use our energy and we'll use our free time to enter into the world because that's the excellency of Jesus. He hears our plight. He hears our prayers and then he enters into the world. Look at the language of scripture. He entered into the house. Intercession, they brought someone to him. They begged him. They interceded. And then what does Jesus do in verse 33? He takes this man who's been deaf and mute his whole life and he brings him off to the side. Do you see the intimacy of Christ? And then, <laughs> come on, let's read it in our culture first. I mean, I know you got to do some study to understand what's happening in the back, but just kind of read it initially at first, the ridiculousness of this. Somebody has brought this deaf, mute man to Christ. And apparently from what we can see, there is no sign language. Maybe it hasn't been invented. Maybe not enough people know it. What we do know is that if you were sick in this way, the cultural thought was it was because you were demon-possessed. You shouldn't touch this guy. He's unclean. And what does Jesus do? Sets him off to the side. Just imagine, ask the question, why, why, why? He takes his fingers and he pokes them in the dude's ears. If that doesn't seem silly enough, he spits and then touches the guy's tongue. Not in this COVID world. <laughs> he glances at heaven and he sighs and the tongue is released. That's the occurrence. Do you see what's happening? Jesus is using sign language. To the best of this, this man doesn't know sign language from what we can see. And Jesus is communicating I will remove the blockage in your canals. I will remove the blockage in your mouth. He glances to heaven to communicate to the deaf man. Only God can free you. And then he sighs. I feel what you feel. I'm compassionate. I'm sympathetic. I know your pain. The tongue, the language, verse 35, the tongue is released. Oh, man, you know why this is so cool? 
because the way this literally reads is the shackle of his tongue was released. The language that's used in the original language is to communicate it wasn't just the tongue or the ears that were, were released. It was his chains of sin, his shackles of filth and guilt, his captivity is being loosed. God has got rid of, he's, he, he's freeing this man from all of his plight, not just his physical plight. See, the opening of this man's ears and the loosening of his tongue was for the whole person to be open up and set free truly in God's kingdom. This is what Jesus wants to do. He's not in the business of just healing people physically. He may. He's in the business of healing them spiritually to give them spiritual eyes and spiritual ears so that their mouths can spiritually proclaim the goodness of the cross. Every single one of us are this man. We are blind to the gospel. We are deaf to the gospel. Our tongues are trapped. We don't know how to communicate the gospel. But once Jesus has brought us to himself with a sigh of sacrifice on the cross, he releases the shackles of us not understanding the gospel or understanding the word. It's quite amazing. Some of you remember Play from last week who got baptized and, and when she was in here talking with Brad about the gospel and what it means, I asked her a simple question about how does it feel to finally accept Christ as your savior? Her words were, it's different. And I said, how has scripture reading been? And she said, I'm seeing things I've never seen before. Before accepting Christ, I didn't understand what was in the text, but I've now placed my faith in Christ. Now I get the text. Why? Because God is in the business of releasing your understanding away from the cultural condemnation and the cultural guilt and away from all the cultural message that you'll be satisfied, you'll be holy. If you just do these things and if you just live and embrace all of these ideas, you'll be fine. And Jesus is here to say the culture doesn't have the answer. Christ and Christ alone has the answer and he's pierced into the darkness, the darkest of places to free us from our bondage. And in this moment, this is prophecy fulfilled, my friends. This instance, you can't help, you just can't help but go back to the prophecy of Isaiah 35. In Isaiah 35, this is what it reads. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom, and it shall blossom abundantly and, 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 abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing to the glory of Lebanon. Ah! This is why you got to study. This is why you got to read. Do you know where Lebanon is? It's in the Tahoe area. <laughs> Phoenicia. This is God speaking. He's always been in the business of reaching the entire world. In the desert. In Lebanon. In Tyre. In Sidon. In that place of all the gods. There will be abundantly joy and singing and it shall be given to them in the majesty of Carmel and Sharon, and they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God, strengthen the weak hands and make them firm and feeble knees and say to those who have an anxious heart, listen to this declaration from your Savior. To those who have an anxious heart, have you been anxious this week? Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance and a recompense of God. He will come and he will save you. Oh. In verse 5, you can't help but see this man in the text. In Lebanon, in Phoenicia, in Tyre, in Sidon, verse 5, the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. God is reaching people in our community through us. We rejoice. God is using you as a church to comfort people in this community, and we rejoice. But we're not done in our 120-mile journey. We are not done taking this gospel into all places until Christ calls us home or he raptures us up in the airs. One of my buddies in the church has a great license plate. If car is empty and still running, I am, I've been raptured, it basically says on the whole deal. But then lastly, the whole crux of this ends with where I wanted to end for us this morning. 
These two miracles have occurred. This, this mother's daughter, after she Im- implores Jesus in faith, her mega faith saves her daughter. She interceded on behalf of her daughter, and Jesus says, basically, you go home, and the text tells us when he, she goes home, where is the little girl? She's resting. She's probably resting because she's tired from the wrestling of the demon, but she's also probably resting because God is good and she can finally sleep. Then another group of men intercede on behalf of this deaf man. They bring him to Jesus. All this to be said, you can't help but see the theme of intercession. You have to intercede. You've got to be praying for people. If you don't know how to proclaim the gospel, yes, you should learn, share what you know. But at the very least, you should be praying for people that you know that Jesus wants to save. Does anybody know any heathens in their lives? Anybody? Mavis knows one. (laughs) Knowing yourself doesn't count, Mavis. I'm just flirting with her stuff. <laughs> Love you, Mavis. You can't help but see the intercession. And as I sat with Daniel and prayed for Kylie, this story in my mind, fighting on behalf of her and interceding. You know, as silly as it seems, I do the same for you as a church walking through the building through the week there are many of your faces that cross over my mind even if we haven't talked in a month's time trying to keep track who do we have who do we not have are they being loved are they feeling loved are we discipling them do they need help can we equip them what can we do more what can we do better all of these things are important but it's the intercession that matters my wife is incredible at this but then after all of this occurs Jesus says to them don't share this it seems really interesting because jesus has been saying this the whole book don't tell don't tell don't tell and the reason he's saying don't tell is because he has not died and he has not been resurrected from the dead and he knows that if people share they're just not going to understand who he is okay there's a prophet running around healing people that doesn't mean anything it's not until he dies and he's resurrected from the dead that everything starts to make sense so he keeps telling them don't share because people aren't going to get it but the reality is is the more that jesus tells people not to share the more they continue to proclaim it says not only do they proclaim they zealously proclaim it nothing bothers me more than an unanimated preacher There should be a zealousness and a love that our pastors and our leaders should exhibit to the congregation. A love for Christ, if nothing else. Don't tell anyone. Why? Because they're not going to understand. But God knows that they're going to be so excited about this Messiah that they're not going to be able to contain themselves and they're zealously going to go proclaim. And that, my church, is where we must go from here. The building's full this morning. The parking lot's filled this morning. I don't care. I don't know where we're putting more people who are, who are lost. I don't know how we're going to baptize more people outside of August because none of you will do it outside of August. <laughs> Y'all wait until the beach, which is fine. How are we going to accomplish these things? How are we going to equip you? How are we going to send you out? Are we going to plant churches? Are we going to send out missionaries? All of these things matter to God. We don't have them figured out. We're walking by faith. All I know is we keep proclaiming the good news and people are going to keep getting saved. And who cares where they sit and who cares where they go? Who cares if they even attend church here? We'll send them to another church. They just need to know who Jesus is. They have to know his peace. They have to know his joy. And my friends, you have that gospel message on the tip of your tongue. And now is the time in the dark ages of Truckee, California to share the light in a dark world. Jesus is alive and he has a mission and he wants you to join that mission to glorify himself by redeeming sinners to himself of which I am chief, says Paul, and myself. Tell no one, verse 36. It's a better translation now. On this part of the cross, tell everyone. Tell everyone. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that in you we have a forever home. In you we have salvation. In you we have reconciliation. 
in you one day, Lord, we will have glorification. You are abundantly good to us. You do all things well. And you will not be hidden, not in this world, but you definitely won't be hidden inside of our hearts. You will always find a way to bubble up and let us know that you are one with us and to convict us of our sin and draw us to yourself. For this we say thank you. As hard and difficult as it is to be a witness for you, Lord, we say thank you for letting us join in on the work. And now in a moment of mourning and crisis, we pray for your intervention. We know that in our humanity, we have nothing to offer for salvation or even saving someone physically like Kylie, Lord, but we know that you are capable. And so in faith, we again petition and request for Kylie to be returned home, and we petition and request further than that, Lord, for all who know her and all who are involved, family and friends, that they would come to know you, the God of salvation, for our souls. Humbly use us, Lord. We trust you that you will do just that. In Jesus' name, amen. Just stand with us. Who wants